Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway, as always, joined by my main man, Max Keen. Now, Max, I think we... uh, I think we've reached that point where you can officially be the main man again because hey. Jonathan's been a couple weeks out of the out of the office. I don't know what he's doing. He's partying. He's no, he's not really partying. He's he's just he literally he texted us. He's like, "Hey guys, I have an accountability meeting, so I won't be able to make the podcast." So, you know, if there was any reason to miss a podcast episode, I guess accountability meeting would be it. Yep, for sure. We're proud of him. <laughs> we are. How's your week been? Oh man, my week's been crazy stressful. Probably the most stressful week I've had in like a year. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So basically, I'm trying to figure out um what kind of internship or job I want to do post graduation. Um and I kind of have a deadline for one of the opportunities I have, so like I feel just a lot of weight on that. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Well, we uh we recorded an episode with a wise wise man named Mike Maslin more than two years ago, and <laughs> he talked about making decisions and having wisdom and how 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 to decide between different options. So yep. if you've never listened to that episode, I'd really recommend going back and listening to it. So would I. Ten out of ten. No, but for real, if there's anybody out there making any big decisions, I, I know Max is, but Max has has listened to that podcast. He was on that podcast. But anybody out there who's making big decisions and you just don't really have clarity on which direction to go, that's an excellent episode to listen to because Mike Maslin was our youth pastor growing up and he brought up some really, really good points about how we can make decisions in the midst of that kind of uncertainty, how we can know what God's will is for our lives when it seems like we have anything but certainty. So I'd really recommend it. I wish that I knew what number episode that was or what date we recorded it. But if you search Living Victory Mike Maslin on your podcast stream <laughs> streaming service, I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah, it was probably episode somewhere in the 10s and 20s or 30s. Like it was pretty yeah, for yeah. sure. It was it was almost certainly in the summer or spring of 2020. So yeah. you might have to scroll. That's why I'd recommend searching because you'd have to scroll down quite a ways to get there. <laughs> yes, indeed. How's your week? My week's been good. We uh, I just <laughs> we had youth group tonight. And I was able to hang out with the sixth grade boys and we didn't have any particular questions to go over. So it was just kind of a night where we got to hang out and it was a spiritual check-in with each other. And so just hanging out with the middle school boys and checking in with them and just getting to goof, goof around. It was really awesome. It was a good time. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. We, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so cool because those guys, I get to treat them like my little brothers. I get to <laughs> go in there and just mess around with them and we get to, you know, have fun Sometimes we're crazy. Sometimes we're normal. Sometimes I'm trying to be normal and they're trying to be crazy. There's never a time where they're trying to be normal and I'm trying to be crazy. But, you know, it's you never know. You show up that night and you never know what the combination is going to be. Anybody who hangs out with middle schoolers on a regular basis, they they understand how how unpredictable they can be. Exactly. Man, I'm really excited for today's episode because we are going to talk about something that is, it's so often used in the church. This kind of language is so often used in the church, but 
I don't think we quite understand why we're using this language or why even in the first place, the Bible uses this type of language when it comes to the church, when it comes to how we ought to interact with each other, how we ought to relate to each other. So today we're going to be talking about the family metaphors that are used in the Bible for the church. Now, very simply, that's the church refers to people in the church. <laughs> let me re- let me restart that sentence. <laughs> the Bible refers to people in the church as brothers and sisters in the faith. It refers to them as husband, or excuse me, not husbands. It refers to them as mothers and fathers in the faith. These are the words that are used to describe how we ought to relate to each other. Paul will tell the people he's writing the letter to, he'll tell them, go greet brother so-and-so, or make sure sister so-and-so is taken care of. So this is language that we use in the church. Today, I was calling people brother and sister in the church. I was saying, hey, brother, it's good to see you. But this ought not to be language that we just use. It ought to be language that we understand why we're using it, and we use it to the fullest capacity. So today we're going to dive into that. Why does the Bible refer to people as brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in the church? What should that tell us about the way that we should relate to each other? And how can we learn from that and be better members of the church in that? So there are a few different metaphors that the Bible uses for the church. Let's start there. One of the metaphors, as we've been talking about, is that of the family. There's another metaphor the Bible uses, which we're not going to get into much today, but that's the metaphor of the body. How each member in the church is a different member of the body, and each member has its own role. So today we're going to be talking specifically about the family metaphor. From both of those metaphors, there's lots of things we can learn. We can better understand how to interact with members of the church from the different metaphors. But today we're really going to dive into that family metaphor, and I'm really excited for it because I think that it'll it'll help clarify what kind of relationships we ought to have with people in the church, people around us, how we should relate to them, how we should love them well. Love them the same way that Christ would have loved them if he was here. So I'll hand it over to you, Max, to take it away. Uh, tell us about why do you think the Bible would use these kind of metaphors and what can we learn from them? Yeah. Um, first off, I want to say this is kind of a... Um, this goes back to last week's episode. So if you haven't lo- wa- uh, listened to last week's episode, um, you should do that because it connects very well to this. You don't have to. Um, to to get what we're going to be talking about here, but it is helpful. Um, So last week we talked about God as our father um, and what does that mean and how he relates to us as our father and what it means that he adopted us. Um, And so we already have that image of God has adopted us into his family and we're brothers and sisters with Christ which also means that those who are adopted into his family are brothers and sisters with one another. Um, And so that's one thing that I want to tackle during this um, is that we are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. um, And there's a unique bond um, with siblings that doesn't um, show up as much with with friends or just people you know you see them you see your family at your best and at your worst or they see you at your best and your worst and you see them at their best and their worst and there's that intimate relationship where it's almost like there aren't any guards up you can be fully and completely open with them um and that may not be the case with every family but 
they do have your vulnerability in a lot of um, instances. And so I want to talk about that for a second, how at church, um, with our church body, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, I think that image of sharing things with one another, having a kind of bond that isn't like, you know, your friends from school, that isn't like your coworkers, that isn't like your neighbors. You have a unique bond with the people at church because you're able to be more open with them, because you're able to be more vulnerable with them, because you're part of the same family, right? Um, and so alongside that, I mean, Christian, you have siblings and I have siblings and <laughs> I have like one third, the number of siblings you have <laughs> no less than that. Oh my gosh. That. I have less than a quarter of the number of siblings you have. Yeah. But, um, for our listeners, I'm sure many of you have siblings and you're not always going to get along with your siblings, right? I can say looking at my past with my family, like we haven't always gotten along. There have been times where we where we fought one another or teased one another or just haven't been the kindest to one another. And that's part of the reason why I say we see each other at our best and our worst um because we don't always treat each other well. But we should, right? We should have that kind of unity with one another not in the sense of oh i'm gonna put on my best face you know if you say hey how's it going i'm just gonna say good to not cause any problems right there's a tough tension of i need to show have that intimate relationship with my family but i also want to treat them as best as i can um and so Working through that, there's an exciting um, opportunity that we have to be a light to our brothers and sisters, too. So when we say love each other and shine your light, there's that love each other um, as in love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we generally mean shine your light for unbelievers. But I think there's also a sense of shining your light to your brothers and sisters and encouraging them and being faithful to them, pushing them to be more like Christ, right? Um, and so last week I had asked the question, are there things in our relationship with our father that we can learn about our relationship to God? And so I'll ask the same question in the same light. Are there mm-hmm. things in our relationships with our siblings that we can learn from with how to engage with one another? I think so. And I think this is really the key of this family metaphor, because most of the family metaphors used in the Bible, especially for the church, are that of brother and sister, like you were talking about. And I want to touch on what you said just briefly, and then I'll go and answer your question from scripture. But when we think about the relationship that we have with our siblings, there is something that we have in common with our siblings that we don't have in common with anybody else. So I can even think of me and you, Max, we are best friends We have spent a majority of our high school and college years talking to each other and bouncing ideas off of each other, having this relationship. But there's even still something that I have in common with my siblings, family traditions, family memories, 
that I don't have in common with you. So there's a, a way in which I can connect with my siblings that I can't connect with you. And I think that this is so applicable in our relationship with the church, because what is it about those in the church that is most important in our lives? Well, it's our relationship with Christ. And so if the thing about you that is most important is not true of somebody else, then there's just a level at which you're not able to connect with that person, right? We can talk to non-believers. We can have good relationships with them. We can talk to them and hang out with them and have, you know, football interests or whatever the interests that overlap are. But at the end of the day, there's one thing, the most important thing in our life, our relationship with Christ, that we don't have in common with this person. But then we look at the flip side of that, and this is where the scripture is going to come in. We look at the other side of that and we see that there is something we have in common with the people in the church. And this is something crazy that I've seen in my own life. I have relationships with people in the church that I have nothing in common with except Christ. The only thing that ties us together is our relationship with Jesus. And we have great relationship, which is so crazy. It's so cool to think about that we need no other tie except for the fact that we both love Jesus and we both want to serve him. And so I want to pull up a scripture really, really quickly, because this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy. So anybody who's unfamiliar with Paul's letter to letters to Timothy, Paul was an apostle of Jesus. And he came and was starting to plant churches in different areas. Well, Timothy was the young man who he was planting the church with. And as he was planting churches, he trained Timothy in the way that he should go. And then he started sending him out to go plant these churches or, or go to the planted churches and help them grow in a way that they weren't able to grow before. So Paul sent Timothy out, trusted him to do this. And then while he was out, specifically in Ephesus in this case, he wrote him letters and encouraged him with these letters, tried to help him wrestle through some issues that he was facing at the church, but also just encourage him as a person, as a pastor in these churches. And this is the instruction that he gives him relating to brothers and sisters. 1 Timothy 5, starting in verse 1, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So Paul's giving these instructions to Timothy. And he's telling him, when you relate to people in the church, relate to older men as you would with fathers. Relate to younger men as you would with brothers. Older women as you would with mothers and younger women as you would with sisters. So think about these relationships that you have in your family. Relate to people in the church in the same way. So some of us probably have strained relationships with siblings, strained relationships with parents. But we want to remember those times when we were connected with those people in a way that we couldn't have been with anybody else because of the things that we had in common with those people. I know that it's probably hard to imagine this. If, if you're somebody out there who has these bad relationships, these, these torn up relationships that have been affected by sin, by the, the harmful effects of the fall in our world, and that's a reality that we have to face. But thinking about the way that God designed familial relationships. Think about the way that God would have designed a, a perfect relationship between a brother and her sister. A loving, supporting relationship a protective relationship, a caring relationship, a relationship that included fun, included joking around, but a relationship that also included some serious things when it needed to. These are the kinds of relationships that we want to have with the people in our lives. 
especially the people in the church. So think about that when you're relating to people. If if there's a, a brother or sister in the church that you have a sin issue with, maybe they've done something to you or maybe you've wronged them and there's some sin that has gotten in the way of you guys having a healthy relationship with each other. If that's the case, think about how can I forgive, how can I approach this relationship and try to find a way to to remove the sin barriers that have caused us to have this strained relationship? How would God want me to relate to this person if they were really my brother or really my sister? How would he want me to do this in such a way that's glorifying to him and keeps the loving relationship that reflects the love Christ has for us in this relationship? So I think that this brother and sister relationship is really cool, but Max, I want to ask you this question specifically relating to Paul's instruction in 1 Timothy 5 here about not rebuking older men, but encouraging them as fathers and doing the same with older women as mothers. How should this, especially us being younger Christians in the church, how should this affect the way we relate to older men and older women in the church? What, what kinds of principles do you think Paul's trying to communicate here to Timothy to help him learn how he ought to relate with the older men and women in the church? Yeah, um, I'll give a very recent ex- example in my life. So like, like I said, I've been um, having a pretty crazy week trying to uh, decide what I'm going to be doing um, after I graduate. Um, and so, uh, Friday night I went home and yesterday morning, uh, today's Sunday. So yesterday morning, Saturday, I went and I talked to my parents and I asked them for advice and wisdom, um, with what I should do moving forward. Um, and I think that's one example of how the Christian body, the Christian family can and should help one another. So like if I go to my um, parents and ask them for help, for prayer, um, for encouragement, for wisdom, for guidance, I should be able to do that with the same thing um, with my father, mother, and the church, right? Mm. I should be able to feel like I can go to them and ask them, hey, what would you do in this situation? Or, hey, like, can you pray for me? Because right now I'm going through a tough time. And having that support um, from family is just an incredible um, image of what the body of Christ can do. Um, And so not to, when it talks about, um, the beginning of the verse when it talks about how like we should respect the older people, I forget the exact terms, but that's generally, um, I think what it was saying, you know, we shouldn't come in, you know, as younger guys, guns ablaze and like, Hey, I know what to do to save the church. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we, we, we know everything. Like, we, we've lived enough life. We, Definitely have as much experience as those guys, right? Right, exactly. Which is why, <laughs> which is why they're telling us, um, you know, to be a little more gentle so we don't overwhelm. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we should be able to go and respect them as a higher authority in our lives, um, who, um, who know and want what's best for us. You know, our parents on earth hopefully they want what's best for us and in the same way 
older people um, in the church want what's best for us um, and want us to grow to be more like Christ. Um, so I'm speaking a lot more to the um, seeing people as our parents. So what would you say about the brothers and sisters um, part of it too, and sons and daughters? Yeah, I really love that you were talking about this kind of with a focus on the intimacy aspect of it, as you were talking about being vulnerable with those older men and women in the church and making sure that you were giving them enough insight into your life to give wise advice, to speak wise counsel into your life. Because I think the same thing is true with the brother and sister relationship and with the mother and father relationship, the son and daughter relationship, whatever part of the metaphor that you want to hone in on. I think that there's an understood intimacy that doesn't come naturally to us, especially in groups of people that are not related to us. And that's why he, he puts these kind of, I don't know, these uh, frames of, of reference to look at it through. Because if we look at it through this familial frame of reference, then ideally we understand that when family is involved, there has to be a level of intimacy. There, there's a level of trust that you have with family that you don't necessarily have with other people. And that's the kind of trust, the the kind of trusting, healthy relationship that Paul wants to build between the members of the church. Because think about it this way, the, all the calls that we get in the church to the one another's, the love one another and bear one another's burdens and you know give to the church so that everybody can be supported. These are the kinds of things that our relationship with the church are supposed to produce. Well, if we don't have an intimacy with the church, it's really hard for these things to be true. It's hard to bear one another's burdens as we're commanded to if we're not open about what our burdens are. If church is just something that you show up to on a Sunday morning, you're there for an hour and a half, you get a coffee, you get a donut, and then you go into service, you get encouraged by the pastor, and then you leave. There's not that level of intimacy that Paul is describing. Because built into this family metaphor that Paul's using is the idea of time spent together. A family would be a really terrible family if they only spent time together one day a week for an hour and a half. In order for family to become family, there has to be time and intimacy. There has to be an involvedness in each other's lives. That has to be true of you and your church family. So if there's one thing that we take away from today's message, because I think that, I think that we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers. James chapter 1, he encourages his reader to not be somebody who just hears God's word, but somebody who acts upon it. And I'm going to give you the same challenge that I gave to the middle school boys tonight. When you're reading your Bible, find one thing that you can do about what you read. Find one thing that you can change in your life, whether it's a, a, an example to follow or command to obey. Maybe it's an example not to follow. Find one thing about the scripture that you read and about that, determine one thing that you can do. Because if you have one thing that you can do differently every time you walk away from Scripture, you are going to be amazed at the way God is working in your life because you're allowing His truth to rule your life. You're allowing His truth to define the things that you're doing and day by day, minute by minute, you are going to be looking more like Christ. And of course, there's going to be setbacks, but if you are allowing God's Word to change the way you live, to change the way you act, to change the things you think about and the things you do, you are going to be amazed at the changes you see in your life. 
So today, we read two verses. The two verses were 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. This encouragement from Paul to Timothy to treat older men as fathers, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters in all purity. How can you relate to your church members differently because of that command? For some of you, it might be spending more time at the church. More than just an hour and a half on Sundays, maybe it's going out of your way to join a small group. Or maybe there's somebody in the church that God's been calling you to start a relationship with that you just haven't done it. You've been scared. You've backed out of that. You've been hesitant to go start this relationship. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Or maybe there's a, a level of intimacy that you just haven't quite reached in your active small group. Or there's relationships in the church you have, but you're definitely holding back from those people. You're not treating them as you would if they were that more intimate type of familial relationship. What is that thing that God's calling you to do in your relationship with the church? How can your relationship with the church look different because of these two verses? Very simple, very easy to digest, but it can have practical application in every single one of our lives. And that is the beauty of scripture, that we can read two verses and we can live a more godly life from those two verses. Now, don't allow that to... to Make it to where every time you read scripture, you're only reading a handful of verses. There's also definitely benefit in reading large portions of scripture. I read 2 Timothy in in its entirety today because reading those letters as we would a normal letter that somebody sent us from beginning to end, we see things that we wouldn't see otherwise. But we can also dive into two verses and find truth that we can apply to our life starting today. So starting today, I want you to figure out what is the thing that you can change about your relationship with the church to become more familial, more intimate. For me, it's going to be being more intentional about making plans with people. You know, I'm often the guy who just says, hey, we should do this more. We should get together more. We should go get lunch together. When I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in the church, I I talk about how I'd love to get to know them better, but I never make specific plans to do that. So this week, there's a couple people in my mind that I'm going to make specific, I'm going to make an effort to make specific plans with them. I'm going to give them a time and a date and say, hey, we've been talking about getting lunch together for a while. I'm going to take you out to lunch. Let's go. Let's get a meal together and let me get to know you better, brother. Let's get to know each other. Let's let's pray together. Let's have this relationship. Instead of just talking about getting to know each other as brothers, let's go out and let's do it. Max, what about you? What's something you're going to do this week that's going to help you treat your brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters? Yeah, um, this is kind of a small thing. This kind of actually ties back um, with what we talked about today in church. Um, when it, uh, our pastor talked about caring for uh, widows in our church. Um, and mm-hmm. so something I want to do is get a list of them um, and pray for them and reach out to some of them and be like, hey, how can I be praying for you? And just be an encouragement yeah, for sure. them. Um, and yeah, so that's something that I have in mind that I can be doing. That's great. And I'd encourage any of you out there, if you have any any type of ministry in the church for widows, get involved in that. Because we're told in James, true religion is this. It's to, uh, I should probably have memorized that verse before I tried to quote it. True religion is this, a pure and undefiled religion is this, to, it's like to care for orphans and widows in need or something. What's that verse? I don't even know. It's in chapter one, James one, like the last verse. Yeah. James tells us in his letter 
He says, James 1, 27, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So that's just a, a small type of application like Max was saying, but find a small application in your church and make that change this week. Let's live lives that are glorifying to God, that treat older women as mothers, older men as fathers, younger men as brothers, and younger women as sisters, and do it in all purity. We love you guys. We thank you so much for coming out and listening to this week's episode. You are a blessing. God put you in your church, in your specific position for a reason, because he has something there for you to do. So go out, live a life that's more glorifying to him, and start to apply 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2 in your life this week. We love you guys. We thank you guys. And as always, love each other and shine your light.